Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Okay. So we are continuing with our recon series. Hallelujah. But before we start, uh, the intention behind the recon series is reconciliation. Amen. It is reconciliation. So before we start, I just want us to do an illustration of what reconciliation means. I just need two people, a man and a woman, to come up front quickly. And I need one person to come this side. Uh, uh, come, Derek. Uh, come, Derek, son. Come quickly. Come, Dada. Jesus is Lord. Come. Amen. Uh, I need two people to come and join us here. Don't make me call your name. I need a brother also to join the sister. Hallelujah. Quickly, quickly. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Pumlani. So what do we mean when we say reconciliation? Firstly, the reconciliation, the heart behind it, it is to stay a heart for the lost. So that is why we are doing this series, and we've been running it. This is the last sermon today, and the whole idea behind this, behind it, it is to encourage us to go and share the gospel. Hallelujah. So that's the whole idea behind it. I'm sure you might have seen uh, uh, when during worship, follow, follow, you know, even last week Sunday, we were just following Waiwei with the worship team, you know, so that's where the heart is behind the Recon series. So as I was sitting here, this was not part of the notes, uh, Jesus showed me this picture that in Genesis, Jesus created a man and a woman and he made them in his image. Amen. So this was the beginning in Genesis. All right. So what happened is Adam and Eve decided to mess it all up. Hallelujah. We love them, you know. Now what happened is, you know, what then happened is, Asipa joined us. Now, what happened in the garden, God came down after they messed up. And he took an animal, you know. (laughs) Clean your mind. Clean your mind. Clean your mind. Okay. So... He took an animal, slaughtered it, and covered them for what they had done. Okay. So now, already there, we were seeing the love of God for people. As much as they had messed up, he had another plan to cover them. Hallelujah. So from there onwards, man had to work. Man had to work to please Jesus, to please God. You know, they had to slaughter, they had to lay things on the altar. There was only one person who was more at that time <laughs> representing the likes of Moses, Noah, and so forth. There was only four who would go to God and listen to God and go and tell the people what was happening. Hallelujah. So this is what happened from Genesis right through the book of Genesis. Amen. And now we go to the uh, New Testament. On our way to the New Testament, we had met up with Isaiah and Nehemiah. We met up with lots of prophets, you know, who spoke about the coming of Derek. Hallelujah. We thank the good Lord. You know, so they had told us about the coming of Derek, who's representing Jesus right now. So God is like, okay, I'm tired now of dealing with small all the time and having to talk to you to tell to the people what to do. Now I want my people to come to me. Hallelujah. So that is why there's reconciliation. Now, Jesus, that's where Jesus comes in. Jesus now comes in, a king, a savior, a king seated on the throne. He's born through a virgin Mary. And from there, he comes down his throne and he walks on this earth. He doesn't wear his gold. He doesn't wear all these nice, lavish things that probably kings wear. He wears what we wear so that we could be reconciled with him. So that no more now, Ulindo, Bablindo would come and you would come and talk to Bablindo to get to God. So God places Jesus and Jesus comes. Jesus suffers everything that we should have suffered. He lives the life we should have lived. And then eventually he dies the death we should have died. So that today you and I, when we worship, we may not be condemned. So that you and I today, when we worship, we are in right standing with God. So that is reconciliation. Reconciliation is now uh, connecting us to God directly, himself. It is God cleaning everything, saying, I did it on the cross through Jesus. That is why we celebrate Easter. We remember that. So that is the heart behind this sermon. It is to say now, as of today, as of last week, and as of today, we now can come to God. 
It doesn't matter what happened yesterday, but as of today, we can make a decision. Say, Father, I know what you did for me, and I am coming to you directly. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, guys. Let's give them a hand. Thank you. So, 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 so that is the heart behind reconciliation. We need to understand where it started and where it is now. So after Jesus, now Jesus is saying, now it is your turn, sobs. You know, now it is your turn, Pumlani. Now go. Now go. So that is the heart behind reconciliation. So last week, uh, weeks back, we, we met with Pastor Temba from Joburg who was here. And he had touched on the fact that we are forgiven. And that we can now tell people that there is no condemnation. And also, we, when we are born again, we now have power over sin. So whatever you were struggling with, it no longer has power with you. It may struggle with your flesh, but it's not struggling with you. Hallelujah. And then we had Usbonelo who came up, said Lamini, and he was talking about a God-ordained conversation. He was talking about a God-ordained conversation. And the idea behind his message, he was saying that everything we do Monday to Sunday, we are to worship God. Amen. So it's not just about just Sunday, but everything we do, even at Toyota Ambit. Hallelujah. Amen. So we must have conversations with those who do not believe God so that they are reconciled with God, so that they understand that they are loved. And also, God will empower you as you reach the lost. And then we had the mighty Mac uh, last week, who blessed us also, and he, the, the, the sermon was titled, The Prodigal God. And basically, he was saying, God cares about you, and whether you are dead or alive, but God cares about us. Also, God has recklessly bestowed good in us. Amen. So we've got goodness in us. Okay. And he's, he closed with one of those lines that let us go and share the gospel. So today we will now be focusing on who do you say God is? But before that, we read on 2 Corinthians 5:19 where it says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us, every nation, Deb, and us here, business people here, employees, uh, students, he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Okay, so what this verse is saying to me, it is saying Jesus will not do it himself. He did what he had to do, and he now basically relies on us. And what is left of us now, will we go or we will say, Jesus, come back and do what you did again? Also, we have been given an opportunity now to partner with heaven. So that is the idea behind this scripture. That is why we have the great, the great, uh, what's this verse, commission in Matthew 28, 18, where it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and, and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of age. So that is what... Jesus said, said after, after, every, after he had completed his ministry, he gave us a responsibility to go. And today, on today's message, God is asking, who do you say God is? Basically, Jesus is asking the disciples in Matthew 16, and he's asking them, who do you say God is? And the story behind this is, Jesus was with his disciples before Matthew 16. And before that, there have been healing people, there have been miracles, they fed the 4,000, the 5,000, you know, he had casted out demons, and he had done everything. He had been in Galilee, River of Jordan, you know, he, has, he had been everywhere. And now, when they are about to enter the city or passing the city, he asks a question to the disciples. Who do you say God is? Who do you say I am? 
All right. So, so this was quite fascinating for me because uh, every time I travel with my wife uh, alone without babies, uh, I always ask her that type of a question that, you know, uh, how am I treating you? Are you okay? You know, so those trips, they, they happen probably every three months, those long trips alone, you know, and every time I love them because I always do an introspection that are we in the same page because I, I, I'm, I know and I think that I'm treating you well, but now I'm, I just want to check, you know, um, how am I treating you? Are you okay? Am I good there? The last time we had a trip three months ago, you had said you had a problem with me in this area, and how am I doing in that area now? You know, because with, before the next trip, she won't tell me that I've improved sometimes. You know, <laughs> she won't tell me, so I, I just keep checking. You know, hallelujah. So this is what basically Jesus was doing here. If I were with my wife, I would basically say, baby, who do you say I am? You know, you, you were in women's ministry, you know, you went to that function, who do you say I am? You know, who do you say I am? You know, you spent, we, we have two babies now, uh, four years in marriage, you know, hallelujah. Who do you say I am? Amen. You know, so this is what's happening here. You know, Jesus was real. You know, he wanted to connect, you know, and it's like me asking Uba Blindo, Tata, who do you say I am? You know, so I know now he says I'm short, you know, <laughs> you know. But Jesus is Lord, hallelujah. So, so today we are going to learn why Jesus asked them that question. Amen. So the scripture for today is in Matthew 16. It will be up there now. Uh, Matthew 16 verse 13. Uh, yeah, from verse 13 to verse 20. So this is where we're going to spend time today. And yeah, we'll not go anywhere. So just take note of it. So, in the same verses, we're going to have breakfast here, guys, okay? We're going to have lunch here. We're going to have dinner here, amen? And what I want to say now, if you have Facebook, just check in Matthew 16, 13 to 20, because this is where we're going to be camping today, hallelujah, amen? So, but when you check in, don't take anyone. Just take yourself, you know, don't take anyone. There's a friend of mine who had tagged a friend of mine, and they said they were in a certain place, you know. So I came to church, and I see this guy here. And But Facebook was saying something else, you know. And then my friend explains to me that, no, 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 he, he, he was uh, joking around. So take yourself. Take yourself. Take yourself on Matthew 16. So let us read. So when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say? The son of man is. Now, look at the way Jesus asked this question. You know, it's like, who do you say the son of man is? You know, there's a sense of humility. How he asks himself, like, who do, you, who do people say the king is? You know, but it's like, who do you say the son of man is? You know, so I just found that interesting and it, it just revealed a character and a personality about Jesus that we serve a humble Jesus, you know, very down to earth. Uh, yeah. So they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you. Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, which uh, meant the gates of uh, death, will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. Now, the reason he had warned them, at that time, there were things that were not fulfilled yet. He had not been to the cross yet. So that revelation that Peter came with, it was a revelation that he saw something which he was told by the Father, it was revealed by the Father to him. So that is why at that time, it was not okay for them to tell anyone that he was the Christ. So this is where we're going to be camping. So this is how I've grouped it. Verse 13, we're going to have coffee and tea there, okay? 
So you will just take note, note of that in your, in your book. And verse 14, we're going to have breakfast. Okay. It's on my wife. Hallelujah. And then verse 15, we are going to snack. Okay. So my wife packs food for me, so I snack before lunch. And then on verse 16, we are going to have lunch. Okay. And then we're going to have dinner on verse 17. All right. So are we ready? Amen. So Tim P is fasting. Hallelujah. You know, yeah, so you will glow more after today. Amen. All right. So, so now that we've checked in, let's look at, let's have, let's have coffee. Okay. So when Jesus came, Matthew 16, verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? Now, we would call this what people say, uh, uh, you know, it is a people uh, syndrome type of thing that, uh, what are people going to say? You know, so basically Jesus was concerned, you know, what are people saying about me, you know? Do I, do I, do I have the walks? How's my attire, you know? Who do people say the son of man is? So one of the things that, why ask that question now? Because it's not like Jesus was in there when people said who he was. You know, he was always there. You know, even demons said so. You know, they even, demons knew him actually better than the men. You know, they even said, no, you are son of so-and-so. So they knew. So let us do a throwback. So Jesus was with the disciples. Uh, Jesus was with the disciples. Next slide, AV. So Jesus was with the disciples, yes. So they had walked on water. They had fed 5,000 and 4,000. He had taught in synagogues. Healing everywhere, diseases and sicknesses, sermon at the mount, preaching the good news of the kingdom, miracles, and everything, man. You know, he had even ate with sinners in Matthew's house. And still, he's asking this question, who do people say the Son of Man is? Also, there was a time where he had sent out the disciples, which I'd like to think that this was an in-service training or a year of your life led by Eloise, you know, that go, you know. So there was that time as well. And then we keep looking, next slide, AV. He had taught about inner purity. He had taught parables. You know, he had large crowds that had followed him. He had dealt with the subject of the Sabbath, you know. He had urged disciples to pray for workers. So basically, Jesus was busy with them. And it was not like he he went away and they also went their own way. But still, Jesus is asking, who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, as I said earlier, what amazed me was he did not ask what demons asked. You know, because demons actually knew him. We saw that in Matthew 8, 28, where it says, what do you want with this Son of God? This was a disciple saying that. I mean, a demon saying that. And then there was a time in the Bible where he even silenced the demons because they knew too much. You know, hey, shut up, you know, keep quiet, you know, you know. So, so, the reason Jesus asked, that could be Alona, hallelujah, you know. So, so, so the reason he asked, Jesus came for people. That is why he came for people. We see that in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 where it says, he came to save his people from their sins. So it mattered to Jesus what people thought, how they felt, and what were they up to. So that is why he asked. So, so we serve a Jesus who cares about us and who is concerned about us. How are you feeling today? How, how are you at work? You know, how are you in your business? This is the Jesus that we are serving. And then one of the things that stand out is, when he chose the disciples, he said to them, he said to them, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, what I want us to highlight here, he did not say to them, come, follow me, and listen to what people say the son of man is. Basically, he said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So now, it's like a lecturer, Bablag, hallelujah. You know, he doesn't tell us, you know, and the next thing he tests us with this question, which he did not tell us. 
you know, that who do you say the son of man is? And I would ask you, Babylon, you did not teach us how to make fishers of men. You know, you just said we must follow you. Now you are asking us this question, you know. So it was quite interesting. And these are the reasons I think he asked this question. That why the question, why the question about people was asked. Thank you. One, there was an expectation. When you are a disciple and when you are born again, there's an expectation on you, I believe. And it, one of those is, did they notice people they met? Secondly, were they aware of people around them? And also, did they listen to people? Did people matter to them? Because you see, listening to, people don't just say, I, I know he's a son of man. Ah, sugar, I know he's an Elijah. There must have been a conversation between the disciples and the people. So I'm assuming uh, uh, Asipe went and met this other lady and Asipe asked the lady, do you know Jesus? And she would probably say, yes, I do. Who do you say Jesus is? You know, I think that's how it would have happened. So did they listen to people? You know, did Asipe have enough time to wait and listen to what people were saying? Because now Asipe has to account to Jesus that who do you say the son of man is? And did they interact with people? So there was an expectation. But this expectation, it was not communicated to the disciples. But I believe that it was still expected. So when we follow Jesus, there is an expectation. There is an expectation. You know, and the expectation will always be people-orientated will always be people. Maybe Jesus is not asking you now what do people say the Son of Man is. Maybe Jesus will ask you that how are they feeling in your work environment? How are your suppliers feeling? You know, are they born again? How are they doing? You know, so, so yeah, uh, as we finish coffee, I mean, uh, we're going to move on. And, but I want us to be aware of what people are saying and what are they thinking? Are we, are we interested to know? Do we ask them, just in Jay, you know, like, how do you think about, what do you think about Jesus? You know, and I think this is what I'm getting from this passage that, have I asked uh, Ukarabo that, chap, what do you think about Jesus? Even the born again ones, you know, what do you think about Jesus? Do, do I and my wife talk about Jesus? What do you think about Jesus in this area? You know, so there's an expectation. So, so the disciples replied, you know, we're having a, a snack now in Matthew 16, 14. So they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now, if people, if people could not recognize Jesus when he was in their midst, how much more today? Sure. Yeah, how much more today? So, so I'd like to think that things are worse than they were before. I'd like to, I'd like to think that because he was there and they still confused him. Now, we don't have today your Elijahs whom they were referring to Jesus as. We probably have the Lindos today, you know, the Pastor Waynes, the Bablangas, hallelujah, you know, and the Max, you know, and who would we probably say, who would probably people say Jesus is today? You know, and it, it's, it's, a, it's a different time that we're living in. So let's look at what do people say Jesus is today in 2017? At work, what are they saying? On Facebook, what are people saying? On Twitter, and at school, what are people saying? The Islam, they are saying he's a prophet of and a messenger of Allah. Shembe, they are saying he's a prophet. Hindu, they are saying he's a great teacher. And Judaism, they are saying he's a miracle worker. Christian science, he's a very wise man. You know, gnotism, divine being. Jehovah's Witness, Archangel Michael. Now, maybe you're not familiar with other religions. Let's talk about our colleagues. I've got colleagues... Uh, you've got employees, you know, you've got friends. What are they saying? I don't know. You know, I don't know. I've never asked my colleagues. 
You know, I've ever asked my wife, who do you say Jesus is? Just because she's born again, I'm no, we are sorted heaven, you and I, you know, we will confess Jesus, we are there. You know, but have I ever asked her, who do you say Jesus is? You know, what is my family saying Jesus is? What are my Facebook friends saying Jesus is? My Twitter friends, followers, and Instagram people. Now, this is what we relate to on daily. Maybe one day, you will probably meet a Shembe person out there. But for now, these are the close ones we also look take for granted. Are we in the same page about Jesus? Because within my family, one would probably say, Jesus is still on the cross, but here I am. I am saying Jesus is alive, and he lives in me. You know. So who do people say Jesus is today? And church, this is to encourage us as the church, that these are the questions we need to ask if we are to be intentional about reconciling people to Christ. We cannot meet and socialize and not talk about who Jesus is in our lives. We cannot meet and have a braai or a young adult's night and not speak about Jesus on what he did this week. Jesus needs to be the center of our conversations. Of course, I'm not saying let us meet and everyone, Jesus, 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 fire, 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 you know, all the time. But, but, wherever we are, we need to be intentional about sharing the gospel of Jesus. So, why ask this question here? Who do people say I am? Why ask it in death and Lord? And this is, has been the question that has been, been bothering me because I feel like it is now specific. You know, why ask this question in Deben? After we have been in Umtata, guys, I've been in, I was born in Umtata, and I was placed around, I've been in places around Umtata, I've been to PE, you know, I've visited East London, I've visited Bloemfontein, JHP, Pumalanga, Pretoria, and now Jesus, all of a Sunday, we're in Deben, or about to enter Deben, and it's like, hey Lord, who do you say I am? You know, and what do people say I am? You know, maybe you have skipped jobs or you've just started a business or maybe you, you've just changed friends many times. But Jesus is asking us today that where are you now, wherever you are, who do people say I am? Hallelujah. So let's look where Jesus was with the disciples. You know, so it was such an honor, man, studying the Bible and where they've been, you know. Uh, next slide. Okay, yeah, that's the one. All right. So they've been to Kapanam. Uh, my wife is going to kill me after this on, on pronunciations. You know, they've been to Bethsaida. They've been to Damanuta. You know, Jesus, hallelujah. You know, they've been to Genesaret. They've been to Karesese, hallelujah. I'm posarizing it, Pasalwani. You know, they've been in the region of gardens, you know, the region of Tyre and Sidon. And now, when Caesarea Philip, you ask this question, ah, come on, Jesus, you know, why did you not ask it there? You know, why now? So you look there, the reason he did not ask it there is you see my friends there, they're like, ah, sharp, you know, Damanutha was okay, Bethsaida was okay, Galilee was okay, but Caesarea Philip was not okay. You know, and that is why he asked it there. It, uh, uh, Caesarea Philip is a place of where there's a lot of influence of Greek and Roman culture. There's a lot of influence of Roman culture, and also it is where pagans and idols and idol temples are, and also it overlooks the fertile valley, most pleasant site in Israel, fertile and attractive for religious activity. Now, if I check this and compare with all the other nations they've been in, all the other places were good places to be in. They were not as bad as Caesarea Philippi. So Caesarea Philippi, I would say I love Jobek, hallelujah. Uh, I hope Tandolevuma is not here. But to me, Caesarea Philippi was more like Jobek. You know, you know, because uh, if we talk about uh, uh, larger spring feeding the river Jordan, because it flows from there. So it's like Joburg gold, you know, Deben, you know, and then they take it in Deben, they take it to Mtata, you know, but it's like suppliers and 
factories, they flow from Joburg into Deben and so forth. So that's what it's like because even if you check Joburg, there are a lot of influences because of different cultures that are there. You know, it's a good place to be in, hallelujah. But it just reminded me of Joburg. And that is why Jesus was asking this. And one, they were out of their comfort zone. That is why he asked it there. Also, they were away from people they knew. Also, they were away from a culture they knew. And lastly, they were away from places where you can be protected. So that is why for me, when I was preparing this, it felt like God was saying, now you're in Deben, there are Zulus, there are Indians, there are white people, hallelujah. You know, there's just everyone. And now, Sobs, I'm asking you, who do you say I am? You know, all the way from Umtata, you know, your family is not here and you need to account. There are, in Deben, for me, there are lots of religions, there are lots of beliefs. So that is why, to me, Deben could probably be my Caesarea Philippi. You know, so, so that is why it was out of their comfort zone. And this is what God is going to do, guys. This is what God is doing today. This is what Jesus is doing today. He will not send us to places of our comfort. He will spend time with us in our comfort places. That's what he did in Galilee. You know, he will walk with us. We will go visit churches. We will play with other churches within Devon. But there's going to come a time where you are going to meet new people at work or you are going to meet new friends and who have, who will make you feel uncomfortable. And this is what this is saying, that who do you say God is? And God will ask you that question at that time. So as long as we are comfortable, as long as we are safe, I know small will cover me here. I remember we were doing evangelism with uh, Amanda and uh, within Glenwood. And I was like, okay, she's here. I'm fine. I'm sorted. Jesus is Lord, you know. We're going to be okay. And then we waited. We, we met uh, a, a white guy. I'm like, ah, Amanda is here. You know, we're <laughs> just going to flow easily. You know, so... So, but this was us out of their comfort zone. You know, this was us out of their comfort zone. So, do I care what people are saying about Jesus? And also, being asked in Caesarea Philippi, it meant that greater lies ahead. Now, we've done all of this where you are we. Did you notice? So, yeah, that is why, that was the idea behind it. So, let us move to verse 15. Matthew 16, verse 15. It reads as follows. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? The disciples had not known about the cross yet. So, of which today, that is our greatest testimony. So when they were asked that question, they didn't know that Jesus would be crucified and he would be nailed on the cross. So, that is the advantage we now have. That they also had in the book of Acts. And... All they had here was what, what they saw Jesus doing. So they saw him doing great things and they were with him. That's all they knew. But as today, we know about the cross. And yeah, we know that Jesus came and he lived and died. And now he's seated on the throne. And we are now living with him. And that question applies to us today. That who do you say Jesus is? Today, you know, what testimony or confession are we giving of Jesus today? You see, guys, if you noticed earlier on my slides, every religion notices that Jesus came. So this is not a made-up story that Jesus came. No, it's not. You know, it's real. You know, we were passing Howick with my wife yesterday, and he was like, oh, wow, here's where Nelson Mandela uh, was captured. And because I'm preparing a sermon, you know, I'm just in line with the spirit, you know. So, so I love my wife. So I'm like, I wish I could go where Jesus was captured, you know, because, because that's where I was just in tune on, you know. And it got me thinking that I'd love to go to Israel, you know, because this Jesus we're talking about, guys, I did not create it. You know, it's real. Every religion we spoke about, however they recognize him, he came. And they all acknowledge that he did die. Obviously, he's not here with us. The only difference is what happened after the cross. So he came. Hallelujah. So, so who do we say Jesus is? Uh, let's look at what the guys were saying. 
you followed me when I called you. You have seen me perform miracles. I have calmed storms and we were together. I have taught you secrets. You, we have done road trips together. And he still asks this question, who do you say I am? Today, what is our testimony? What have we done with Jesus? What do we know about him? One, we know that God came. God became man in, Christ, in Jesus Christ. We know that. That, and we, we can stand anyway. We know that. Also, we know that he lived the life we should have lived. We know that. Also, we know that he died the death we should have died in our place. That we know. I even, even talked about testimonies, how you got uh, school fees paid up, how you excelled. I even talked about that. How people got healed in your midst. I even talked about that, but I'm just talking about the facts and the truth that everyone knows. Okay. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving he is the son of God and offering salvation and offering salvation and eternal life uh, to everyone who will repent and believe in him. And that is the gospel we know, which is our testimony. Without the cross, guys, let's forget about Christianity. Let us walk out and forget. The cross is the center of why we are here today. It is the center why the church started, and it, will, it is the center why the church will never stop. Hallelujah. So, on top of that, we have, and you have seen Jesus at work in your life. Now, let us remember when God provided for you, when you saw him heal people, and when you saw him doing miracles around you. Now, I was saying this to a friend of mine that you can argue, we can argue about Jesus. We can argue about the Bible. And you may win if I am not uh, intellectually equipped. Hallelujah. But you can never take away a testimony that I have. There was a time in my life where my wife's CV came out of a bin and she got the job. There was a time in my life where I saw God providing in a very miraculous way that I've never seen him. So we can argue about lots of things. But you can never argue about a testimony that Jesus did in your life. I don't care. Yay, Metun. <laughs> I have come to realize this is what Jesus says to me. He is alive. I live in him. I am with him. That's what Jesus says to me. Because I've seen him at work. I have seen him at work, guys. Yo, I have seen him at work, you know. Uh, yo, Father. So, why the personal question? Why this question? If you look at how he asked the disciples, you know, so he's asking, okay, who do, you, who do people say I am? And then he's like, but who do you say I am? You know, like, it, it was a boom, a tell, but who do you say I am? So, why the personal question? One, he sees us differently from other people. Okay, I need you guys to believe this one, because... Yeah, it was tricky for me to believe, you know. So, he says us differently. And I saw this in Matthew 15, 32. He says that Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people, you know. So, they were feeding people here, you know. And he calls the disciples on the side. And he's like, gents, what are we going to do? You know, 5,000 people and it's 12 of us. He did ask them, okay, people, I came here for you to save you. What are we going to eat? So he calls the disciples on the side, which I found very interesting. So leadership, you know. So, so, yeah, so he sees them differently. And this is the same thing with us. Guys, never separate yourself from a disciple. We are disciples. We are all disciples here. We are disciples, you know. So, yeah, because we have followed him, he expects us to know him differently from other people. Paul writes, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So when we know Christ, there is an expectation. There is an expectation. You know, we have got to stand out from everyone. And this is not that we feel special or we are arrogant. It is who we are now that we have been reconciled. When people say kill, we say love. You know, so, so, so we need to stand out. Amen. So even if you're in politics, we need to stand out. Like Bablindo is standing out. Hallelujah. Amen. So wherever we are, we need to stand out. 
We see that in Matthew 9.37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Amen. So when we become born again, and when we are when we have accepted Christ and followed him, automatically we become his disciples. And there's an expectation on us. Because it was not like they had doubted. When Jesus asked that question, if you look at Matthew 14, 32, it's not like they had doubted him before. There was a time when he walked on water and he climbed on the boat and the disciples said, truly, you are the son of God. So it's not like they had doubted it before. So he was not raising an issue of doubt here, but I believe he wanted them to confess what they now know as of today. Now that you are not there. Now that it's just me and you right now. So Peter answered, you are the son of Christ. You are the Christ, excuse me, the son of the living God. So to me, this was a moment of, a moment of salvation. That confession to me was a moment of salvation. And that is all it takes, friends, that you do not have to work to be born again. No work will change how God feels about you. Coming to church or attending prayer on Thursdays and Jesus is asking that question to you as well, that who do you say I am? So whatever work you do, it will never amount to you being loved by Jesus. So, if Romans 8, 9, this is as follows. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess your faith and are saved. So, I've come to realize that anyone can follow Jesus. Anyone can claim to follow Jesus. But we will see when we confess that who do you say Jesus is? You know, so I believe this was a moment of salvation as well as confessing your mouth and you believing it, that you are Christ, the son of the living God. Even that living God, they had never said that before. You know, it was just son of God. But now they came to realize that, hey, it's a living God. Amen. All right. Let's have dinner. You know, let's have dinner. Let's have dinner. So let's look into verse 17. So Jesus replied. So this is after Peter answered. Now I want to just, my view on verse 16, when Peter replied. This was not because Peter was special. I believe that Peter was answering on behalf of all the disciples. Amen. All right, so let's look at verse 17. So Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by men, but my Father in heaven. Verse 18. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of death will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, first thing I want us to know during this time, is one, we are blessed. Now, blessings are not what you have. You can have everything you need in life, you can excel, but you are blessed because you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. So immediately you are blessed. So everything we have now, how well you look, how well you are dressed, those are results of your blessing. That is why as Christians, there is an expectation for us to excel and prosper. So if we are not excelling and prospering, we need to do a recheck. Hallelujah. So, if you see me with anything, it doesn't mean I'm blessed. It means that what you see is a result of a blessing. So when you accepted Christ, immediately you were blessed. So when you left church being born again and accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you walk in a blessing. Hallelujah. So we are blessed. We are blessed. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by men. Romans 4, 7, Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven. Hallelujah. Whose sins are covered. Galatians 3, 9, So those who rely on faith 
are blessed along with Abraham. Revelations 1, 3. Uh, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of prophecy and blessed is who will hear it and take it to heart what is written because the time is near. So we are blessed. It is important that we know our identity. And secondly, we have a new identity in Christ. Yesterday no longer defines us anymore. What I did 10 years back doesn't matter anymore. What I did yesterday it doesn't matter. If I forgive my wife or did not yesterday, it doesn't matter today. Hallelujah. Because today I have received a new identity. Yes, I will go and apologize to my wife. And yes, I will go and account for every wrong I did, but it doesn't define me anymore. And I tell you that you are Peter. In Second Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. So, so who you see here today, you will never recognize me 10 years back. That is why when I tell many people that I used to drink uh, alcohol, they don't believe me. You know, because they're like, it doesn't look like you. And I know some of you are like, eh, you used to drink? Yeah, I used to, you know. But now you are seeing a new man. That is why you cannot associate drinking with me right now. Because I'm a new man in Christ. Hallelujah. You know, Ephesians 4, 2, 4, 4, 24. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. Colossians 3, 10. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of the creator. Now look at this one. Put which is being renewed in knowledge. So you see, when the new comes... You don't function anymore. Temptations come, yes, but you are renewed in knowledge. So you may be born again today, and tomorrow you may deal with uh, culture issues at home, with your parents, for example. <clears throat> you may still be tempted to go smoke or whatever, but you are in the process. Your mind is being renewed. So that is what happens when we come to Christ, Bazalwani. We change, you know, and this is only done by faith. So, and then he says, he will build the church, not you. So, now, let us first understand the church. Now, the church is not this building. I think I remember Pastor Wayne saying this one. The church is not this building, but we are the church sitting here. So, when we come here, the church is coming together. So the church from Manzimtoti, you know, the church from Glenwood, you know, the church from Morningside, they are coming together. When we leave, the church is gone. A building is left here. So he says here, and on this rock I will build my church. So we are his, and he will build us. Ours is just to say, yes, Lord, I now believe that you are my Lord and Savior, I now believe that you are here to reconcile. The rest is yours, Father. So he says, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, the gates of Hades are the gates of death. So you can think of anything that, it's a, that has to do with death. But this is why we, we, when we pray and when, the, when charismatic Christians say, no weapon from the gates we shall prosper, you know, it is because I believe it's coming from here. Because no gate of death will come against us. No gate of death will. Because you know why? Because Christ is building us. And then he says, on this rock I will build my church. Now, the issue of the rock, there was an, the, the, the scholars are debating this one. But here's my view on the rock. The rock could mean many things. But in this area, Jesus is with the disciples in a foreign place. And he's like, on this rock, I will build my church. Now, the rock in this area could have been where he was standing because it was a rocky place. Or it could have been from what Peter was saying. That on what you are saying, I will build my church. On your faith, I will build my church. Or it could have been saying, on you, Peter, the leader, I will build my church. Which means, on leaders like Peter... God will build his church. 
So, but either way, irrespective of which option you choose, but God will build his church. God will build us and no gates will overcome it. So those who know the truth and confess it and confess who Jesus is and those who receive revelations from God. And I believe that now that the work of the cross was done, we have contact with God now. He speaks to us. Amen. So where to from here? Now we know all that I've said and this now means we have work to do. We have work to do. We have work to do. God has intentions of reconciling. We have work to do. And then he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Hallelujah. Now, after this confession, so there was confession. And then there was a, a blessing. And then there was identity. Now I know who I am. You've told me who I am. Now, here are the keys. I will give you the keys. Now, at this time, he was going to give them the keys. Now we have the keys. We have been given the instruction to go. So there was authority. You now have access to places. And you now have a responsibility. Now, whatever is sitting on your lap or the Bible you're looking onto, that is what we are going to take to the world. The keys of the kingdom are in that Bible. We've got work to do. So I remember Spore weeks back said, we must have conversations with those who do not believe, who do not believe God. We need to find out what are people saying about Jesus and share what we believe about Jesus. So let's look at Matthew 16 again. Next slide. Now this is my version. Now that we know what we know, let's look at Sobs. So here's my version. It's in the book of Lindo, chapter 16, verse 13 to 20. It is Sobs' version. So when Jesus came to the region of Deben, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say prophet, wise teacher, and still others miracle worker, or wise man. But what about you? Okay, oh, I'm sorry guys. Uh, Okay, go back. Back. Oh, sorry guys, I had a very nice scripture there. Okay, I'll read it. So it's saying, verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Devon, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say prophet, wise teacher, and still others miracle worker, or wise men. But what about you, he asked. What do you say I am? So Spiwe Shange answered, You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Spiwe, son of Wayne Senderman. For this was not revealed to you by men, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Alona. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loose in heaven. So, as we are about to close, Jesus is asking us this question today, that who do you in Deben say Jesus is? Do you know you have keys in your hand? I remember when there used to be an event at home, years back, and when there's an event, there was a room that had to be locked. And Spo is laughing, so he knows that room. You know. So there was this specific room, you know, that had water with lots of flavors. You know, so so there was only one person who had that key, and that person was well trusted, you know, and that person was well trusted. So I've always longed to have that key. You know, but fortunately I never got the chance. And I thank God for that because I would have been messed up, you know. So, so I never had the chance to have the key for that room. But now, hey, I've got the keys of the kingdom. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, so I can go back home. And I keep those keys. You know, if you give me those keys, no percentage will be there when you open. Hallelujah. So, so this is what Jesus is asking today, church. That do you know that you have keys in your hand?
We look at Matthew 28 again, and this is the heartbeat. This is the heartbeat. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the Great Commission. This is the heartbeat of the church. I, I'd like to encourage you, take this, put it on your door, put it wherever, wherever you either exit or enter. Because this is the greatest commission. Where it says that Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of age. Now, here's what's going to happen. If we do not go, if we do not go, this is a true story, Nick. If we don't go, this is what's going to happen to South Africa and the world. One, government will not change. Government will not change. I don't care which political party leads in 2019. I don't care. But government will not change if people in government do not know Jesus. Secondly, men maybe may probably remain trash. So no post or debate will conquer that until people know Jesus, until people are reconciled to Jesus. We can debate and argue around it, but if people do not know Jesus, let us forget. Now, I am worried about Alona in 10 years, in 20 years from now. What type of a future I will be living for him if I don't go and make disciples today? If I am not concerned what people think about Jesus at work, if I am not concerned about telling people about the Jesus I know, abuse may get worse. It may get worse. And guys, it is up to us as the church. We have the keys. Whatever we bind on earth, it will be abound in heaven. If we lose peace here, peace will be loosed in heaven. If we lose love here, it will be loose in heaven. So whatever we do here will be done in heaven. So Jesus is like, I, I trust you. Go. I give you the key. And he has confidence in us that we will not lose hell. Because you know why? He conquered hell already. So there's no way we can. Hallelujah. Also, if we do not go, the next generation is in trouble. Now, that's the reality of it. In the next hundred years, our children and our children's children are in trouble. So we've got to go. We've got to go. And if we look at, uh, oh my goodness, the book of Acts 1.8, you will be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and every part of the world. Our Jerusalem is where you are now. It is where you're working it is where you stay, it is where you study, it is your employees, it is your colleagues, it is your friends, it is your family. Judea, it's the neighboring provinces or the neighboring towns where you are. Samaria, provinces or countries, and in every part of the world. We have got to go and be witnesses. Now, when you go and be a witness, you are going to tell people what you know. You are going to tell people what you saw. You are not going to tell people what you heard me saying today or what Max said last week. Amen. Hallelujah. So here's what you know. You know that Jesus died on the cross. You know that he lives. And you know that he came. That's all you know. Now go. Same thing that happened with the Samaritan woman. All he knew was Jesus at that time. Before that, five husbands and the one he was with her was not hers. So that's all he knew. And at that time, she had not done BFC. Hallelujah. She had not done DMC. All she knew was, I have met Jesus. So today, when you accept Christ today, you go and tell people about Jesus. You go and tell them that I was sitting and my heart was beating fast. Hallelujah. And I just could not sit down. And I raised my hand and I said, I accept the Jesus. You go and tell them that I learned the truth today, that Jesus cares for me. I now have access to God through him. There's nothing wrong with BFC. There's nothing wrong with DMC. But the Samaritan woman at that time didn't do them. So 
here's my encouragement. Moving forward, I encourage us, the church, we've got an outreach internship coming up. We've got that coming up. And we have got to practice this. We have got to allow this to work in our lives. Please come. Please sign up. Let us come and serve if we can. We've got BFC and DMC coming up next term. Please, let's come. Even if it means you have to repeat it, but we've got that coming up. So Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And the next slide. So, as we rise, church, may we stand. May we stand. May we stand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Today we know that the gospel is the good news. That God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should have lived. He died the death we should have died. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving he is the Son of God and offering salvation and eternal life to everyone who will repent and believe in him. And church, you've heard me. Uh, What I've said here, it's what's in the word of God. And right now, I'd like to open an opportunity for us to pray as the church and to come before him and to come before him and one, repent four, we have had these keys and we haven't been using them in our boardrooms we've met with execs we've met with the president we've met with ministers we've met with business people in this nation we've met with friends, colleagues, students have we used the keys and I want us to pray and you know the volume uh, I want us to pray church And but before we pray I want us with our eyes closed I'm inviting those who do not know Jesus you've heard me speak about this Jesus that we now have access to him when we accept him as our Lord and Savior we are blessed and I want to open the floor for those who are saying I now believe for those who are saying I now believe that he came he lived the life I should have lived he died the death I should have died and he rose again if that is you I'm inviting you to raise your hand so that we can pray with you so that we can pray with you so that you can walk in these blessings that we are walking in. If that is you, my brother, if that is you, my sister, with our eyes closed, I'm inviting you to raise your hand. If I don't do this, I will be accountable to God. When you raise your hand, it is not to show off but it is a public declaration. You are going against your flesh and agreeing with your heart. That I, sobs, accept you as my Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Going again. If it's you, don't worry what people will say at home. Don't worry how you will live this life. We are here to help you. Don't worry, I'll stumble tomorrow, I'll stumble next week. It's okay. What matters is you making a decision today. That's all that matters. And you'll be a new man. Don't worry about your girlfriend or your boyfriend. What matters is you knowing Jesus today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.
Secondly, we're going to pray for the last group of people. And this speaks to me also. Those who have not engaged the lost. Whatever I shared here today was not to condemn anyone. But it is to wake up the church. It is to say, church, rise. And I'm looking for those who are saying, I've had the keys and I haven't used them. I'm not going to come in front and if it's not you, I've had the keys, but I've not used them. I thought I knew the salvation thing. Thanks, Dad. I've had the keys and I've not used them. I'm inviting you to raise your hand. You haven't used it where you work. My hand is up. You haven't used it wherever. If you think using it, thank you, Jesus. Hands are coming up. This is a moment of a public declaration where we are saying, we are raising our hands. We haven't been doing it faithfully or fully. But as of today, we have had the message and we will go. Even if it's my neighbor or my family member. If that's you, I'm inviting you to raise your hand so that we can pray with you and partner with you. Thank you, Jesus.